0: Bob Carter Show. How, how good is that Pure Cure coffee? Are you loving it? Oh, yeah. Pure Cure coffee is fantastic. What I like about this coffee, other than the multiple flavors, and I love the smell. You know, my wife and I get up every morning and we have the Pure Cure coffee. I love the taste. Listen, it's better coffee. PureCureCoffee.com. P U R C U R Coffee.com. Get yourself some. It is fresh, delicious coffee, multiple flavors. Pure Cure Coffee. Get some. PureCureCoffee.com. P U R C U R Coffee.com. This
1: is S-R-1. The Rob Carter
0: Show. All right, everybody, here we go. Today is Sunday, May 28th, 2023. Hope you're having a very fabulous Sunday evening here in St. Louis. I got my radio producer, Phil Valencia, with us today because I've been wanting to have a conversation. Last couple weeks, we got into Donald Trump. We talked about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., We're moving into primary season and then election season in 2024, and I have been bouncing ideas off of people around me concerning Donald Trump because, as you know, and I don't want to get into it too terribly deep, but I just want to have a conversation about all of the things that Donald Trump promised us that didn't come to fruition, and I want to hear how somebody who is involved in politics, interviews a lot of people, has guests that understand what's going on in the political arena. And just get some feedback because I cannot get anybody to answer me about Donald Trump. It's almost like, you know, when they said it was a cult, I was involved in that cult from the very beginning. I was a Donald Trump supporter. I bought the hat. I went to the rallies. I argued with all my friends and family. And now I look at it and I think, aren't people starting to recognize that Donald Trump is branding himself something that he never actually did? Because he wraps himself in the flag. He's the great patriot. He's coming to save the day. He's coming to clear the swamp. He's coming to do all these great things. But he has a track record. I mean, he was the president of the United States. And you can make the argument that the deep state was out to get him. You know, they were throwing roadblocks at him one after another. But in the reality of it is, or the reality of it is, if he gets another term, what's going to be different? He just endorsed Ronna McDaniel. So, Phil, Uh I got a lot of questions for you. Uh Oh. Are you a Donald Trump supporter, by the way? I don't even know your p- political feel toward Donald Trump. Do you have? Are you waiting to see? Do you have a sense of whether he's the right guy? Do you have a vibe on him just yet? Well, I had a vibe until uh, I met you.
1: <laughs> so you were a fan, right?
2: <laughs> I guess I was because, given the alternatives, you know, um, in the in the political arena, uh, he was certainly the only one I was going to be able to vote for, given who was uh, offered to me. Um, but he wouldn't have been my First choice in the primary, um, I wasn't. Uh, who did you like um, at the time? I think um, Cruise? I I, kinda, I wasn't a cruise bot. Like I wasn't one of those people who was like you know cruise or death. You know, like a lot of people, they were very vicious. Some of those cruise uh-huh. people, uh, and I feel like the DeSantis crowd maybe maybe sort of hedging their their way to that opinion of sort of like, if you don't like it, DeSantis, you're, you're stupid or something? Well, you're watching uh,
0: the back and forth. I'm watching it on right. Twitter. Mm-hmm. And now the conversation is, and this is what I think Trump is, right? I think Trump creates an enormous amount of chaos. And I look at it, uh, I have been in leadership positions for a long time, whether it be in business and sports, uh, started a baseball organization here with some other guys. So I just have a an executive viewpoint on things. Not that I'm anything special, but you do look at things when you're an executive that it falls on your shoulders to get things done. You can't always say, well, this person tried to stop me or that person tried to stop me. Can you imagine if you were in business and every competitor who was trying to stop you from being successful, you threw your hands up and go, well, I just couldn't get it done. I mean, you know, uh, this person over here tried to stop me and that person over here tried to stop me. I was being sabotaged from the inside. You'd never make it. Donald Trump was the president of the United States and he came there under the premise that he was going to get the government back in shape He was going to drain the swamp, which meant all of the bureaucratic institutions would be under a microscope. All the former politicians that had gotten this country into trouble started wars unnecessarily, uh, created inflation and printed money to the extreme to where uh, it was really crushing the middle class. And Donald Trump was coming to save the day. But when you look back on I just want to go through some things with you Um, because I think he's a brander. I think Donald Trump's genius and I'm in the branding world. You know, I'm in the shoe business for a long time. That's right. I study branding. Branding is what I do. It's who I am. It's what I'm about. I love the idea of branding because what branding does is it ties an emotion uh, to a product. Donald Trump ties the emotion of patriotism and that the other side is out to get you and that he is between you and the devil and he's coming to save the day. But if you look at what happened under his administration, The establishment got everything they could possibly have wanted under the guise that it was okay because Donald Trump said it was okay. Let me give you just a few. Remember at the end of his uh, term, Antifa and Black Lives Matter? Oh, yeah. And they're burning down Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis, Austin, Texas, Manhattan. They are destroying cities all over the place. And I remember sitting there and I'm thinking, if I'm the president of the United States and I understand that they have states' rights— but do you allow your cities to be torched? Do you allow uh, basically war zones within your cities all over the country and just sit back idly and say, well, you know, that's Minneapolis has to figure out what they're going to do. Portland has to figure out what they want to do. Remember the Chaz or whatever it was in Seattle? There was no real – nothing happened. I mean, we weren't doing anything. We were just allowing all of that to take place. And they were pushing – those videos and those images out onto the american people which was very demoralizing because you're looking at go what is going on in our major cities and That's why is nothing point. coming to stop That's it it's a very good point donald trump did nothing to stop any of that he just sat there and allowed it to happen really never galvanized because if i'm the president of the united states and i'm just looking at it, what would you do to solve that because it is a states rights issue but you have to get the american people organized you have to say listen if we're going to drain the swamp, there is a movement within our government, um, whether these politicians are compromised, whether they're corrupt just on uh, because they're taking money from here and there and they're actually working for corporations. They're not really working in the best interest of the American people. But nothing was done. I mean, absolutely nothing was done. At the same time, Donald Trump's Mr. America. He's wrapping himself in the flag as our cities are burning down. And the first hint I got of it, Phil... The first time I started to recognize it, and I followed him for a long time after that. I've told you I went to several of the rallies when he was running. But the one that really caught my attention, I had—I was in Atlanta on business. And I had heard that I I landed at the airport. He had just won the primaries. This is in 2016. He had just won the primaries in South Carolina. And within a couple days, he's giving a rally at the Marriott Hotel in downtown Atlanta, right in the CNN building. So I go to that, and it was a, you know, maybe a couple thousand people there to see this, this rally. And it was inside. It was like in a ballroom-type area. Mm-hmm. And in that particular speech that he was giving, the lights were bright. And he started going, the lights, the lights, and he's backing up. The lights are too bright. The lights. He's putting on this big theatrical performance. And it struck me wrong. It, it was acting. And when you're live and you can see, I don't know what it looks like on TV, but when you're watching it in the crowd, you're seeing a performance being put on, because the lights weren't that bright. There was all nonsense. It was him saying that they're trying to sabotage me with these bright lights, and I'm like, well, there's, the whole thing is lit up. There's there, there's nothing really going on here, and it didn't mean as much to me at the time, but it, I took note of it. I'm like, well, that guy seems like an actor, and as time has went on over these years. Uh-huh. I'm watching a performance, and I see it in a lot of people that are in my circles that love him, and there's nothing I could say. There's nothing he could do. When he said he could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and he wouldn't lose supporters, I believe he could shoot 50 people on Fifth Avenue. They believe, because he is positioned as the enemy of their enemy, that he is the man. Let me continue on. We talked about what happened in, uh, with BLM and Antifa, and nothing ever happened. Then he cuts the corporate taxes. And at the time, I'm making the argument for corporate taxes. I'm working at a big corporation at the time. What I recognize with the corporate taxes is as, as he's cutting the corporate taxes, all of the McDonald's of the world, the Starbucks, they're raising their minimum wage to $15. All around the country, they start waging the minimum wage. Oh, yeah. If you're trying to start a small business and you have to p- compete with corporations, you can't compete financially. You cannot compete with starting a small business go, okay, you know, I need... 8 or 10 employees and now I have to pay them 15 or 20 dollars an hour in a small business. So what happened was the small businesses it got harder and harder for them to grow because all of the money was with the corporations and we thought it was a great thing. Right. Right? right. But all it did was consolidate business because the corporations could afford it mm-hmm. and the small businesses that are trying to get trying to get going, they don't have the financing to keep up with the corporations and the minimum price or the minimum wage or whatever. They wanted to call it at the time. So the corporate tax seemed like a great idea until you start to realize that corporatism is our problem. How many people, just when you think of the corporate, uh, the the way corporations work, how many people do you know that had to make a decision of getting a vaccine for something they didn't want? How many people didn't want it, but had to get it in order to keep their jobs? Oh,
2: I had people coming through here with exemption forms, just passing them around, like, you know leaflets to each other just to get there to keep their jobs because they wanted to get exempt status. And right. It was, it was, uh, it was, of course I'm, I'm on the outside of it all looking at everybody watching them cause you know, I'm self-employed. So I don't really think about it, but, but it was hard to watch some of these people struggle with, uh, having to give up their jobs. Some of them really liked their jobs. Yeah. You know, um, it was healthcare a lot of times too. You yeah. know about that and health, my wife. Exactly. So, um, but you know, one thing you were saying about the primaries, I just thought of this when you were talking about it. One of the reasons Trump. Uh, was able to sell his message, I think, so early on was uh, as the new guy in town and the the Swamp Destroyer was one of the people he eliminated in the primary was Jeb Bush, and he represented the – the antithesis, sort of, of the swamp and the old school and the warmongers and the big corporate, and I think by eliminating him with, uh, you know, what was it, uh, low energy Jeb or whatever, low energy Jeb, by, by he was d- hilarious, he was still hilarious, funny, but he's a branding genius, like you said, yes. and he branded everybody with a literally branded them language. Um, and I think one of the reasons I, I, I maybe subconsciously uh, accepted Trump. So early on, um, thinking he was the, the big, uh, answer to the problem was I think that the elimination of Jeb Bush sort of seemed like it was a new era. Yep. Uh, and the Bushes were now behind us and the Clintons again were behind us. So Obama took care of Hillary in the primaries way back. So it felt like something was going good. And Me then, too. Uh, Agreed. Oh yeah. Obviously you were spending your money and your time and energy going around oh, yeah. you know, flying of things and stuff. I would have never done that. Uh, to any, for any politician i've never been excited enough to go i wish i knew what it was like to be that excited about a well
0: politician. i i did wasn't just him i definitely got into trump right away when he went down the escalator the first time um i believed that that type of straight talk to the american people was going to work i remember when he went down the escalator and i listened to that First speech where he said um, something about Mexicans that got everybody all up in an uproar. Remember that particular speech? (laughs) I do. I remember calling my father and I said, I think Donald Trump is going to be the GOP nominee. And he goes, what? Are you kidding me? And I said, I said, I just got a vibe that people want to hear somebody really stick it to the other side. They don't want any more uh, footsie, more cuddling with the left. They want somebody to just jam it right up the establishments. You know what? And I think people are hungry for that type of fighter, somebody that's going to really fight for them. And I said, I just got a vibe that's going to happen. So I really started to pay attention to him. And I think he's funny. I did think now the act to me is tired, but when it was yeah. originally when I first heard it, it's like when you see a movie when you're seventeen years old and it's hilarious, and then you see it again when you're fifty and it's like <laughs> I can't believe I thought that was funny. <laughs> right. That's the way he is to me now. The jokes are no longer funny to me. The making fun of people is no longer funny to me, Ron DeSanctimonious is no longer funny to me. Especially not funny to me that right there. If yeah. you are if you're just looking at what would get this country back in shape, doesn't it take some form of unity? to get this country back in shape. Don't people recognize that the government has run amok? I mean, can't they just see that? I mean, we're $30-plus trillion in debt. Um, our schools are a joke. Culture is falling apart around us. You've got the things going on with Target and the Dodgers of this last week, and I don't want to beat that up because mm-hmm. every talk show person in America is talking about oh, that. Yeah. i got nothing to add to it. But it shows the absurdity of what's going on in our culture, and I don't think Donald Trump helps that in any way, shape, or form because what he should be doing – is exactly what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is doing. I can disagree with you, but in America we have to understand that just because you have a different opinion doesn't mean you have to hate the other side or frame them as something that they're not. Because if you look at most of the liberals or most of the conservatives, the 80% are within range to where they can communicate with each other. On the outskirts on both sides, they get a little crazy. But the media frames the outskirts as the norm and it makes everybody dislike each other. I remember I was in uh, New York just recently and my dad goes, "Oh, be careful up there. Be careful up in New York." I go to New York all the time. New York is fine. There's nothing crazy going on in New York other than if there's, you know, 11-12 million people in the city and one person gets hurt out of 11 million, that's what's all over the news and then the right-wing media comes in and they start to say, "Oh my god, New York is so unsafe. It's so unsafe." It's not what it is perceived to be. And the same thing happens over and over again. We paint the fringes as the norm, and it keeps everybody fighting and in fear, and they always think uh, very negatively about anybody who doesn't think like them. So I look at Trump and say, if you're going to be the president of the United States after we went through the whole rigmarole from 2016 to 2020, then we had the election that seemed to be a little bit manipulated that you just, in my opinion, you handed to Joe Biden because... Donald Trump could have absolutely destroyed him in those debates, and he just didn't. I mean, did he win the debates? Probably, but Joe Biden's an easy target. He can barely string a sentence together. You've got videos of him sniffing young children's hair, which is very odd and bizarre. You've got the diary uh, of his daughter saying that she took inappropriate showers with him. You have the laptop that everybody knew was real because I was watching the videos of what hunter biden was doing mm-hmm. those are real videos oh yeah and uh, <laughs> donald trump just didn't really pound away at that and really humiliate joe biden he could have humiliated him on stage and should have because it's not whether you want him to or don't want him to it's that he owed it to the people that were supporting him to take joe biden out in those debates i remember at the time telling people i didn't even think joe biden would would show up I said, I think he'll skip the debates. I don't think he's going to show up for the debates, much like Katie Hobbs. And now right. they're not going to debate with Robert F. Kennedy that's, Jr. on the Democrat side. That's what they're side. saying. That's what they're They're not going to debate. There's no way. That, there's. Can you imagine Joe Biden in a debate with somebody like Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? Not a chance uh. in the world. Uh, we're coming up against a break. I want to continue this conversation about Donald Trump. We're going to talk about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and a few other things that are in the news. We'll be right back.
1: SR1 Sundays. The Rob Carter Show. SR One Sundays.
0: This bed is on fire. All right, everybody, welcome back. I want to jump right back into it because I think it's very important for voters, for the people of Not just St. Louis and Missouri, but people around the country to have some perspective on these political people. If you don't understand who they are, if you don't understand where they come from, if you don't put into context what they said versus what actually happened, then you're really voting for a personality. You're voting in the blind. You're saying, "Okay, Donald Trump's Republican. I hate Democrats. Therefore, whoever the nominee is, I'm going for that person. Same with the Democrats. I think you have to look at these people and say the the." I think the, the most common thought process in America right now is that the elections are manipulated at best, right? Probably rigged, but definitely manipulated. And if they are, you set up a situation where it's the establishment versus the people. It's not necessarily right versus left. Right and left would have to get on the same page. Not that they agree on policy necessarily, but they agree that it's not America first, Phil. But it's freedom first. That's what this country is all about—is freedom. Mm-hmm. And when you see the freedoms getting chipped away at day after day after day, doesn't mean your world's coming to an end. We talked about it earlier. I—I I don't think the world's coming to an end anytime soon. Neither. But I do think that the uh, freedoms that we once enjoyed in this country are slipping away, and I talk about it all the time. When I was a kid, and I'm sure it was the same with you, Phil, because we're roughly the same age. Mm-hmm. You could go out into your surroundings as a young person, walk for miles around when you're seven, eight, nine, ten years old. There were people on the front porches. You felt safe. I never had any mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid, first, second grade, run out the door when the nine to ten eat breakfast in the morning, summertime when you're not at school, and run out and be in the neighborhood all day long, wander miles away from your house, never thought anything of it. That doesn't that couldn't even possibly happen anymore. So you've lost a bit of freedom whether you recognize it or not. You're in fear at a very young age. You're, you have to wear a helmet for a tricycle because you have to be safe. You have to stay close to the house because the boogeyman could get you if you wander too far. These are freedoms that we just give away and we don't even recognize that it's happening. Same with the airports. I travel oh. for a living. Going on a va- going uh, travel in business in the 90s was fun. I used to look forward to getting to the airport. you get on the plane. They'd feed you. The seats were open. It was somewhat luxurious. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed travel. Now, I'm leaving Orlando to get to St. Louis. You could be in line for an hour and a half, right? TSA hates your guts. By the time you get up there, they, they, they hate you. They want nothing to do with you. They, they, they want to inspect everything you do. You have to prove that you're innocent before you can get on a plane mm-hmm. because our culture now is all about safety. We're going to take your freedoms away, but you're going to be safer and safer and safer. And I just wonder, were we ever really that much in danger or were these things orchestrated to take some freedoms away? Because that's what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said about the Patriot Act, right? Because the Patriot Act allowed the American government to spy on us, basically, Mm -hmm. without a warrant. That's taking your freedoms away. If somebody is in your business, can read your emails if they want to, can read your text, can look through uh, a television screen that's turned off or a computer screen oh. at the person in the room, which <laughs> is what Snowden said was happening, Yeah, and he flees to Russia, right? Yeah. Donald Trump didn't do anything for Snowden, and Donald Trump didn't do anything for Julian Assange. This is the next thing I wanted to get to. That's why I bring it up. So Julian Assange and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said, one of the first things I'll do if I become president is pardon Julian Assange. Now, Donald Trump, if you can remember how the elections went down and how the rallies and everything that was going on with Donald Trump at the time, he was using WikiLeaks to destroy the Democrats and Hillary Clinton. WikiLeaks, 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 on and on and on and on. And then doesn't pardon Julian Assange at the end of his first term? Now, why? What could possibly be the reason for that? The only thing that Julian Assange is doing was exposing the establishment that he came there to fix he came there to yep. drain the swamp he said it over and over again why is Julian Assange sitting in prison what did he what could he have possibly done as a journalist to be in prison to be in solitary confinement you see what's going on with this guy why is that happening if we are the land of freedom I just don't get it, I don't get why. That's a very good question. Why man. does nobody ask Trump that though? That, no, that's the, yeah, we've got a list going of things you're going to ask Donald Trump when you get in front of him, and I, I, I he I, would never have a conversation yeah. like this. That's what I'm starting to recognize, and that's why I say that people have to be fearful of Donald Trump because if he goes on the hostile press like he did with CNN, and you yeah. see that charade again and again and again, because all that did by going on CNN was make his base stronger because of the way the interviewer attacked him. Right. So it works to Donald Trump's benefit. Right. Why would CNN do something that would benefit Donald Trump? Why are the people that are supposedly hostile to him not bringing up all these things? Let me go to the next one. He said he was going to build a wall. Okay. (laughs) First of all, I don't want him to build a wall. I'm very Uh anti-wall. Because if they build a wall and things continue the way they are, I can't get out. (laughs) I I want to be able to. I don't need a wall. Very good point. What I need is my my immigration policies to make sense. You cannot just allow everybody to come across this border. And it's being reported from many independent journalists out there. They're not even checking for ID. So people are coming across this border with no paperwork. We have no idea who they are. They could say, make up a name. So if you have criminals coming, um, if you have criminals crossing the border, if you have drug smugglers coming across the border, if you have human traffickers coming across the border, you could have military people coming across the border from other MS-13. hostile nations if you want, or hostile political figures coming mm-hmm. across the border, hostile political entities, let's say. We don't even know. Yeah, right. I have a video clip in here uh, that I was going to play. Eighty-five thousand kids are, are uh, there's, there's nobody even knows where they're at. Missing. They're yeah. missing. So they come across the border. They end up with what they call sponsors, but now they can't get a hold of these kids. 85,000 kids have crossed the Southern border into the interior of the United States. And we don't know where they're at. And that was testified before Congress just recently. That's right. Well, how can, I mean, what kind of country are we?
2: Yeah, that's not, uh, that's not a good look. Does that
0: seem kosher to you that, that you would have 85,000 kids that are came across this border and went to people that we don't even know where they went or where they're at? I mean, that's, that's you know, that, that 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 in and of itself makes you wonder what's going on with our government because that is something that should not be allowed. We should not be a country that says, you know what, uh, uh, steal a kid, yeah. get across the border, and you're fine. Don't worry Damn. about it. Once you get across the border, we'll do, we do whatever you want with that kid. There's some 85,000 children,
2: literally, and this whole sponsor thing is very creepy. It I'll find me, that clip, though. Uh, the sponsor I'll, I'll, thing I'll, is creepy because it makes me think of um, – what we grew up thinking of as the foster child right. uh, thing, and there was some. We all know there were some deep, dark things going on exactly. in that world, and we couldn't. Uh, you didn't have ways and means of finding out, and there was no way to to, to know because the people that were, you know, putting the kids in the homes were aware that they were doing it. So it becomes really creepy. Um, you know, a lot of sexual abuse. Uh, I've known of a few things that I, in my life that I've known of. I've known a few um, foster kids that told me some stories, and mm-hmm. you're just like. Who put these children in this home? Who you're like? How could that system ever even exist? And clearly, it's more it's more um, organized than we would have ever thought because you have an endless supply of children from the from the third world from the from so, south, south, south border. So, uh, if if this is what history is going to say about the United States, um, I don't believe we'll ever recover from
0: that. That's what I'm saying because at some point you have no protection from. God, okay? Right. uh, I mean, you are really... If you're you're a spiritual person and you say, you know what, I'm going to turn my head to this, that brings me to to another thing. I'm going to get back to Trump here in a minute. But there's a guy, I think his name is Michael Yan. He's been going on uh, several shows recently because he infiltrates these um, uh, human trafficking rings that are coming through uh, the southern border. I think the other one's called the Darien Gap, and he reports from there. Mm And he said, you know what? I I now understand what happened in Nazi Germany. I've made this commentary to you several times and on the air many times on my podcast. Nazi Germany worked because the economy was good enough, right? Uh, the propaganda was so great that the atrocities that were happening in Germany... You ever been to Germany? I have not. I've been to Germany. People are wonderful in Germany. I had a great time in Germany. Went to Berlin, saw the wall, did that whole thing. You would never suspect that a modern country like Germany would allow concentration camps where they're exterminating a race of people. At the same time, they're starting wars all over Europe. Um, uh, The catalyst for World War II was all under uh, between Germany and Russia, but Germany was the one who was causing the problems. And their people didn't even know. You know, that book that I talk about, it's called In uh, In the Garden of Beasts. It is the ambassador... Of the united states to germany writing letters back to the united states telling the american uh, government what is happening in nazi germany but nobody was doing anything about it i remember reading the book and they're talking about there's a letter coming back to the united states where somebody was reporting to the ambassador that they saw a it was obviously a jewish person uh, being drugged through the streets. People are spitting on them and throwing things at them, and it's got the uh, the secret police are d- kind of dragging them down the street. And it just the, this picture that it paints was so horrific, I thought, well, that could never happen here in the U.S. And now when you turn on your television, especially when we were talking about BLM and Antifa and the oh, things yeah. that were going on in those cities, it did happen. It did. It, it was happening right before us. And I remember when I read the book, it was like 15 years ago, I thought, man, how could the, those people allow that to happen? Michael Yan makes the commentary that the American people are so distracted trying to raise their family, feed themselves, and distracted by all of the things that we watch on television and the media and the propaganda that they allow atrocities to happen without ever thinking anything of it. If you go to ask somebody about the Iraq war, they don't even care. No, The idea that this country mm-hmm. sold a lie, or got it wrong, Okay, if you're, if you're somebody who wants to give them the benefit of the doubt, does it really matter? If you drop bombs on a sovereign nation based on information that turned out not to be true, and then that president, which is George Bush, mm-hmm. Dummy Bush, I like to call him, mm-hmm. he comes out and says, "Oops," makes jokes about it at the um, at uh, uh, the correspondence dinner once mm-hmm. before, then just made another joke about it just recently. How does that square? I mean, yeah. why don't and why don't the Republicans make mention of it? You would think that if they're the, you know, if you if you're a true conservative. How do you square the fact that your country sent you, sent our kids off to fight a war, on a lie? That just does it. Nev- never makes any sense to me. I don't know why the Republicans don't answer to that. Very difficult for me to say. Okay, well, I'm going to be a Republican after that. I've o- often said, well, if the Nazis started a few wars and they go, you know what, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to fix the Nazi Party. We're going to make this a better party. I, hasn't the damage been done? Don't right. we start another party, or do we start to recognize this party doesn't have their act together? Mm-hmm. And Uh, nobody seems to think anything of it. I just, I find it fantastic.
2: That's pretty fascinating. You know, we're not
0: talking about a long time ago, Phil. No. We're talking about less than 20 years ago. This all went down Mm -hmm. and the American people don't even care. Doesn't even come up in our politics. Never comes up in discussion. Why wouldn't the Democrats be pounding away at that? As somebody who just pays attention to the world, doesn't it bother you that we started a war, whether it was a lie or whether we got the information wrong, and then our government just acts like it didn't happen? Yeah. uh, It seems crazy to me. It does. Let me get to the next one. This is the one that really bothered me the most. So I started a podcast because of the lockdowns and the COVID thing. I saw that coming. You know, I started to recognize that something astray was going down with COVID-19, and I wanted to at least get my family and friends to understand what was going on. Donald Trump is the one that locked down society. Now, if Barack Obama were to lock down the society, how would that have went down for the for the Republicans? How would that have went down for conservatives? So Barack Obama said, "You know what? There's a virus with a ninety nine point five percent recovery rate. I'm gonna re- my administration is gonna restrict all treatments, and the only way we're gonna get it fixed is if you stand on these little dots, put two masks on, flippers, rubber gloves, and bubble wrap. It's the only and then we're gonna wait for the warp speed to come out. So we're gonna print six point two trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. We're gonna mass mail in votes." And the only way we're going to save it is if me, Barack Obama, gets these vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna to you very quickly. Then you can take those vaccines for a disease with a ninety-nine point five percent recovery rate with no treatments. How would the uh, Republicans have reacted? Do you think that would have been
2: an insurpassable difference in in political opinion? It would have caused. Um, I think they would have they would have opposed it to the utmost right
0: to the violently opposed it, don't you think if 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 necessary and the the reason it was allowed is because the enemy of our enemy said it was the best thing for us that's just a fact because if you put barack obama's name on what donald trump did there'd have been some hell going on from the right believe me if he said listen you're gonna have to take these vaccines not by mandate but you can't travel and you can't have your job and here I'm going to put Scarf Lady and Fauci in front of you every day to explain it to you yeah. there would have been some trouble uh, segment number three on its way we'll be right back your the
1: Rock fingers in the door the kitchen knives and
3: the show Kissed me up women's clothes around with gender roles, my Or one Sundays. Hey guys, Ken Kruger. I've gotten to know these guys really well over the last few years. Yes, St. Louis Bath and Renovation, they're the most trusted name in bathroom remodelers in the St. Louis area. In fact, if you need bathroom repairs, complete bathroom remodeling, or handyman services, call St. Louis Bath and Renovation at 314 477 6476 or email rob at stlbr.com. That's St. Louis Bath. And renovation. SR One Sundays.
1: People say I'm crazy. The Rob Carter Show.
2: We have a caller on the line uh, named Jennifer who wants to speak to you, Rob, about uh, Donald Trump and some of her her frustrations that she's having and that align with yours. She's a longtime listener and she's very excited that you're in St. Louis for the week. And um, so uh, I wanted to let her know. And she has graced us with her presence. How you doing, Jen?
4: (laughs) You are so kind. (laughs) Meet Rob Carter. This is Rob Jennifer. Nice to meet you over the phone. Nice to meet you you over the phone. Hey, I really appreciate what you do. Thank
0: you. I appreciate that.
4: And I know that it's time consuming and difficult.
0: You have no idea. (sighs) <sighs> actually, you might. You might have an she idea. She does, actually, yes. <laughs> what, is your, uh, what is your take on Donald Trump? Because I've been talking with Phil about, you know, I said, you know, if, if Barack Obama, if he was the one that would have locked down society, if he is the one that said, you know what, this disease has a 99.5% recovery rate, and my administration, through the CDC and the FDA, are going to ban all treatments And then we're going to rush in $6.2 trillion, mail-in ballots, lockdown society, make people stand on little circles. And the only way to travel or to keep your job if you're in a major corporation is to get a needle in your arm. If that was Barack Obama that had instituted that, wouldn't the people on the right have went nuts? I know I would have.
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were actually at the time during Obama— Oh, he's gonna declare martial law yes. and state president. I mean, this is what we and I actually think that could happen this time around. I actually me too. think that everything is in place for that to actually happen.
0: That's that's kinda and, that's kinda and, where I'm at.
4: And I'm also with the screw you people when you wanna come down on me for my beliefs and my thoughts because I think the time is long gone for anyone to come up to any of us and call us bats sh- crazy or whatever because are you kidding me? We would have, people would have stormed, I believe. Well, I don't know. Americans tend, tend to be a little bit too comfortable. So maybe people would have, but maybe not enough of them up. That would have happened. I think you're you know right. They're,
0: they're, they're too lazy to do anything, but they certainly w- would have been upset. You know, the, oh, the lockdowns to it, me, uh, Jennifer, I don't know how you feel about it, but when that was going down, I would say to my friends, who in their right mind gives the president of the United States, the authority to, to close down all of the small businesses and keep Walmart Target open, shut down the churches. Who gives him our, that authority? When when in the where in the Constitution does it say the the president of the United States can lock down our society for our security? Does that? It never made any sense to me.
4: It makes zero sense. And I want someone to make it make sense, but no one can. That's right. And when you put things in those terms, suddenly they're quiet and shy just like the unity call after Biden was selected because he was not elected. Correct. And yes, I'm one of those. I absolutely believe. And I believe our, our voting, our elections have been rigged long before this instance.
0: What was amazing to me, and the reason I started the podcast, was to just let my friends and family know that I had been paying attention to the idea of what they could do on the back of a pandemic for a long time. Right. And I said, this is a con job, so you should be aware of it. And I remember at the very beginning of it, Jennifer, I would say, they're going to put masks on you. They're going to make mm-hmm. vaccines mandatory. And everybody told me I was crazy. And I said, well, when did mm-hmm. I get crazy? I raised five kids. I started right. a baseball organization. Wow. I've been the president of a couple of companies. I grew up in St. Louis. Everybody in my sphere knows that I'm not a crazy person. But all of a sudden, right. when I said they're going to put mask on us and stick needles in our arms, everybody said I was crazy. But then when it happened... They said, well, we had to do it. It was for our own good. I'm like, <laughs> I told you it was going to happen. You told me I was crazy. Now you're telling me it's just the way it is because we all have to do it because we're all in this together. And if we don't, if one person doesn't take the needle in the arm, then everybody is at risk. That's the way they sold it.
4: I'm serious with Trump. i serious with him. Me too. Especially about that. But I was serious with him from the very first uh, omnibus he signed when yep. he wagged his finger. Don't send me anything like that again. What the hell is wrong with right. you? You, couldn't, you don't know about a veto? You can't play it off like you don't. That's BS. And then for, and then let's, let's reel that back to as soon as he got elected, which, by the way, I got – people tried to hand me my app on a number of occasions. Uh, I was one of, what, six of us on the entire state committee uh, in uh, Missouri GOP, and I think I was like, – yeah, I was still – I did That was the last time I was an at-large member of the executive committee. (laughs) But I was there for two state committee meetings when John Hancock, I thought he was going to poke holes in his knees, leaning with his head hung in his hands, dejected and deflated over the thought that we might actually end up having to support Donald Trump. So I took a lot of flack. I spent a lot of political capital going against a very organized cruise crew Uh that was statewide. And and then we got him. We couldn't even enjoy the win. Ha ha ha! Holding breath, crossing fingers, and then wait for the electors to cast their votes. All this nonsense. And then we c- come in. And who do you put in charge of your chief of staff, Rank Prevost? Who in the hell is advising right. this man? Oh
5: now, here, God, let me tell you.
4: Well, I'll go back to the campaign. I had to spend a crap ton of time every day for like two and a half, three weeks. I went to this at, uh, on Clayton Road between Hanley and Brentwood <clears throat> uh, to go where they they had the, they were collecting signatures for cannabis and also it was the tr- co-Trump office, and get a different phone number every day. They're out canvassing. Call this number if you need help just to try to pierce the corporate veil to explain to them that you can't ex- ignore the state of Missouri because even though we're a primary state, wink, wink, that's just a beauty contest. Uh-uh. You have to make your mark in the caucus, and if you don't get your slate gone go- to go on, it's like the playoffs. You don't get it. You're done. You're out. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, it was a lot just to get anyone to listen and get through that. I mean, uh, was it Monday night, Brenda Webb and I were getting the Trump data sent to us after a bunch of NDAs, you know, uh, non-disclosure yep. agreement signed. And they went with my entire list for everyone in the state for who could be a coordinator for whatever, because we had eight uh, congressional districts. And so we used to have nine, but now eight. Anyway, so, I busted my rear end for this guy and he comes in right away and all these horrible swamp creatures. And you talk about when you, when I heard your show, the first time I heard you mention Bill Barr, and I love the fact that you continually bring that up. And I think it's very beneficial for your listeners to get a brief recap of the players because it's so hard. We need a damn playing board and cards to go with each of these people because this is a game. And we are currently in Clown World movie show. And we're all playing our part because we're being manipulated by others. Sorry, I took too much time. No, but you're exactly but right. So that, you know, I pissed me off for very early on with Trump. And I watched with a skeptical eye because I put my heart and soul into this. And I took a lot of crap and yes, I lost a lot of friendships. Yes, me too. And I don't speak yes, to a you number of people did. in mm-hmm. my family. Mm-hmm. Me okay? too. So it's like, all, oh, bring it on. I don't dare you to go toe to toe in fact i want you to put your phone down and come to my face because you can't look it up fast enough to talk to me about (laughs) what's going on that's
0: the way i am you know it's it's funny that you say that because i'm always asking for people to debate me when i was doing my podcast and started to grow i would say to everybody that was listening i say listen if your doctor will come on the air And debate me over whether these vaccines are necessary, gene therapies, if you will. I would love for your doctor to come on and explain to me how these vaccines work. Explain MRNA technology to me. I just want to have a debate. Any doctor that wants to come on, I want to give you the forum because, remember, at the time, all the doctors were saying to get the vaccines. So you would think that if they think you need to get a vaccine, it's a public health uh, emergency and you need to get these things. And they're going to want to explain it to everybody. Jennifer, not one doctor would ever have the conversation with me. Now, what I'm starting to recognize is the same thing with Donald Trump. I go out to everybody and say, listen, you may be right. I may be wrong. I'm not going to attack you. I just want to explain everything that he did versus what he said he was going to be. And I want you to explain to me about the lockdowns, about him saying if you were, he's the most patriotic guy, that's why he wore the mask at times, DACA. He said about the red <laughs> flag laws, he said, listen, I think the best thing we can do is if somebody calls on the neighbor – We'll take the guns away and then give them due process. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here? Because, again, if, you, if it was Barack Obama saying that, the right would go crazy. But because Donald Trump understands branding, he wrapped himself in the flag. He positioned himself as the enemy of our enemy. Therefore, everything that he did that goes against conservatism, goes against right-leaning uh, thinking, everybody just ignored it. They just completely ignored everything that he was doing. And, and you can't, can't get them off the. You can't, can't get them off their bandwagon. They're still to this day. There's there's nothing you can do to get these people to go. You know what? You're right. Everything that I believe in, he's doing the opposite. But he's still he's not Joe Biden. Therefore, I love him. Crazy.
4: Well, that's the whole thing. And I'm sick and tired of the comparison. Why am I comparing? Right. I If I'm going out, you know, to buy a car, I'm not going to automatically compare it to the biggest pile of crap. Right. I already had that. It was a '73 AMC Gremlin. you're going to go out and pick the qualities that you want. Right. Why even look at the other crap? And I'll tell you what, I gave a lot of passes, and I fell right in line with the rest of everybody. Oh, he's been beat up. They've never given him a fair shot. They've done nothing but attack. But you know what? I'm going to crawl out of that fight because Donald Trump has proven to me he's very clearly capable and certainly resourced enough to fight his own battles. Correct. Without me having to make excuses for him, and while we're looking at the, the 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 excuse making, let me hear your excuse for why you didn't pardon Julian Assange or even try to prosecute Hillary Clinton.
0: Exactly, we talked Did about it. Nope. Yep, He's
4: not Julian about Assange, it. Snowden. That's right. You right. know, exactly. um,
0: and but then used WikiLeaks to get elected. I mean, that was a big yeah. part of his uh, his campaign, and exactly. then at the end of his term. Uh, If you just look through the pardons, I don't want to get into that because that's a whole other uh, can of worms. But some of the pardons that he gave were for criminals. And yet Julian Assange, who did what I think every great journalist in the world does, go after the most powerful people in the world and say, listen, this is what they're doing. Here are their emails. Let's release it to the public. So the government gets to hear from the governed about their crimes. And yet Donald Trump used WikiLeaks and then turned his Mm -hmm. eye to the only journalist that had the courage to do it. It just and nobody seems to care. It's like George Carlin no. said, nobody seems to hey, notice. Nobody notices. Nobody seems nobody to care. Nobody seems to care.
4: <laughs> yeah, I love George Carlin.
0: Me too. He had it he had it nailed. I, and and if you listen to the back half of his um career when he was doing a lot of speaking engagements, even within the uh, press club. I just watched one the other day.
4: I saw him right after 9/11.
0: Fantastic. I mean, the guy really did I think he understood things better than just about anybody Ooh. in the country at the time that would that had a forum yes, out did. there um, and had a had great a way of explaining mind. it. Very keen. I saw him Very in uh,
1: uh,
0: Bally's Las Vegas. And to be honest with you, he was talking about the Bushes at that time, and the crowd was laughing, but I just I didn't quite understand it well enough. And now that I look back, I'm like, man, that guy was right on target with everything well, he was talking about.
4: I would, I'm glad you brought that up. I used to be a Democrat. And if you're a native St. Louis and you know the famous, question where you go to high school right so i grew up in new city and uh you know we i had a completely different outlook on the world and on life and, i mean because i had a very diverse group of friends that's why i want to go back to some of them and who when the hell did you ever know me to be a racist right we were very we were supposed to be very skeptical and always question authority and uh but that's not how we ended up so but i was a democrat back then because I see it's like we flipped. It was all question authority. And now it's respect my authority right. and put on a mask and stay home and save lives and do it for the benefit of everybody. Bull crap. You, you know, no, I'm not going to do it for everybody. If everybody said to jump off a bridge, am I supposed to go with you? No, I'm not. You know, I was a believer and then life hit me and I had a series of should have been each individually aha moments, but nope, nope, nope. Because I was trained and I wasn't giving up on it. And so when I when I became a Republican, because I thought, well, I can't really how can I really gripe about it if I've never really paid attention to it or explored it. And so then I researched the Bush family. I hate them even more. I'm like these people aren't even freaking Republicans
0: right. right. They got everybody to do. Well, I, we were talking about that earlier too. I said, how do you how do you now claim to be a Republican? when george bush went to war now i think it was built on nonsense from the very beginning but give him the benefit of the doubt and say you know what they just got it wrong they got bad information from the cia how do you be how do you stick to a party that took us to war on misinformation or a lie bombed them into smithereens never said we're sorry never said let's make this right never went out to the world and said listen uh, we got bad information instead You've got George W. Bush making jokes about it over and over again. I've got three or four clips that I play on my show routinely where he's making a a, a joke about dropping bombs on a sovereign nation. It's, to me, it's just the most crazy thing. And how do you become associated with that? And if the Democrats really wanted to stick it to the Republicans, that's all they'd have to talk about. we got about 10 seconds left in this segment, so stick around. Uh, we'll have a little bit more conversation in the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back.
1: Bob Carter Show. People say I'm lazy. my life away.
5: This is Rob with St. Louis Bath and Renovation, and we'd like to let you know you don't have to maintain the grout in your home anymore. The grout on the floor or in your shower or bath area. How would you like zero grout in your bathroom? At St. Louis Bath and Renovation, we focus on grout-free options for your bathroom. If you hate cleaning grout, St. Louis Bath and Renovation 314 314- 477 6476. 314 477 6476. Give us a call. The
1: Rob Carter
0: Show.
5: How, how good is that Pure Cure coffee? Are you loving it? Oh, yeah. Pure Cure coffee
0: is fantastic. What I like about this coffee, other than the multiple flavors, and I love the smell. You know, my wife and I get up every morning and we have the Pure Cure coffee. I love the taste. Listen, it's better coffee. PureCureCoffee.com. P U R. C U R Coffee Get yourself some. It is fresh, delicious coffee, multiple flavors. Pure Cure Coffee. Get some. Pure Cure Coffee P U R C U R Coffee S
1: R One Sundays. S R One Sundays. The Ron Carter
0: Show. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Hour number two. We still have. Is it Mrs. Bird on the phone?
4: That worked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bill, I guess a, it work. Phil <laughs> had
0: a question for you. What is it, Phil?
2: What do you think of um, DeSantis?
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, here, let me think. Okay, Jeb Bush and Paul Ryan, enough said, done. Right. Next. Right, yeah. Because let me tell you, uh, we're talking about the, the state committee and all of that. Uh, I took so many sh- people first were it was like insult I took a lot of pot shots from these people who then later after he became elected oh he's doing great he's doing this and that and now they're switched over if people don't want to switch horses midstream right it's almost like a psychological it thing is. like they can. and because because why they've had so much fighting since the time he walked down the escalators right or came down the escalators and so they're 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 wrapped up in that, and they can't extricate themselves from the battle.
3: The
2: problem is now they're forever Trumpers.
4: Forever, exactly. You
2: know what I mean? And um, and
4: it's like, and I love uh, these people, these are good, honest, hardworking yes. Americans. These are like George Carlin said. Okay, and they're all very different people, but they're tied in. And I'm like, we can't afford any more compromise. Right. We have zero liberties with which left with which to compromise zero and i say the same thing to the state legislature these people are they're punks i can't stand it uh and we're getting punked by these people but now at the top at the president and you're under your authority we're shut down you institute operation warp speed yeah let's hurry up and rush this right. crap through rather than focusing on informed consent along with things that we already know that work mm-hmm. What kind of crap? And then you physically lock the park. I mean Lock the beaches here, down. When you bring up DeSantis, he participated in that in, in the beginning. Yes. And I don't know if you've ever heard of FACL, it's F A C L uh Foundations for Applied Conservative Leadership. It's an excellent group, which I absolutely adore. But they go out and teach, uh Phil, do you know Alex Salzman?
2: I do know that name before that. Okay. yeah. Yeah. She
4: was Missouri Firearms Coalition, got that whole thing breathing into life. I mean, they, other people, but she really kicked a lot into it. Anyway, she teaches a lot of faculty classes and it teaches people how to go through the different layers of government. And it also teaches people to be prepared for this. There is a hierarchy of. Methods of how they're going to treat you and deal with you at each time, and of course, first it's ignoring, and you know, there's ridicule, and then they try to buy you. Right. And, I mean, all of it's these. It's a process. So, correct. Well, there's a big faculty group in Florida, okay, and I have other friends and family in Florida, and we're there frequently. And you come to find out, the faculty people and my friends, they're like, DeSantis was all in for this crap in the beginning. He only, and thankfully uh succumbed to the pressure and relented and same thing with christine oh. and so and then once they realized because that went through the nation like hell yes do not lock people down you're heroes because of course those people don't know the initial they only know the after oh they didn't lock down they're open they're this or that so to me it's part of the show and you talked about the rest see i always think of you cracking up the very first time when you brought up jesse ventura I'm like, I know where this is going. So my yeah. dad was a big fan of Jesse Ventura, oh, yeah. of history, and of wrestling at the chase. Remember I was that? living
0: in—oh, yeah, wrestling at the chase was big time. But I remember uh, Jesse wrestling. Ventura. I was in Minnesota when he was running for governor.
4: Nice.
0: He went from Jesse the body to Jesse the brain, if you remember.
4: That's right. But he was—he sure.
0: when, when he, uh, he got his bones with me when he started saying that the—he he, he did it from the very beginning— he said, I recognize a game going on here because I understand how professional wrestling, the psychology behind it works. It's like everybody knows that it's a show, but they picked up, right. just like you said, the psychology. Everybody jumped on the Donald Trump bandwagon. They fell in love with him. They had to fight with their coworkers. They had to fight with their family members. They had to fight with their neighbors. They had to fight with everybody, everybody. that hated him. So then it became, if you remember... Everybody defends every move that he, he, everything he does is genius. And we're just defending every move that he makes. And I fell into the trap too. I'll be honest with you. I fell into the trap for a long time. COVID, when that started coming down the line is when he, he locked down society. And I remember telling everybody in my life, I said, I cannot believe that I worked so hard to get this guy elected that I have fought with everybody in my life. And now the guy that I thought was going to restore order and restore freedoms and protect the you know protect our constitutional rights is locking down society. And if you remember Jennifer, he did it twice. He did a lockdown, and then he extended it. He there was a there was a date where he was going to give whether he was going to extend the lockdown or not. When he extended that lockdown, is when I went from a Trump supporter. To, I have to expose this guy, and I'm going to start saying and showing everybody the things that he said he was going to do versus the results. And you can say right. that, the, you know, that the Democrats were trying to block him, the media was trying to attack him. It doesn't oh, matter. He is the president of the United States. He has a lot of power, and he had the bully pulpit. He could have come out every night and explained who these people were. He could explain who they were attached to, what organizations they were attached to, what they were about. And he didn't. He protected the establishment. He just he gave them everything, all the money they could ever want. He never ended the war in Afghanistan which he said he was going to do. He didn't yep. lower the debt which he said he was going to do. I'm not in favor of a wall down on the southern border because I wouldn't be able to get out, but he didn't finish the wall, which he said he was going to do. He was going to expose the establishment. He made him stronger. He endorsed Mitch McConnell walking out the door. And just recently, (laughs) he just recently endorsed McCarthy. I mean, McCarthy is a stiff, if there ever was one. And then he endorsed Lindsey Graham, who writes a letter on Sean Hannity once a week. And then my favorite... (laughs) was when he endorsed McDaniel just recently leader. to run the RNC. When he when he did that, I'm like, Yeah I don't know what else he would have to do to convince people that he isn't what he says he is because if he's coming to drain the swamp and then puts all of he's the biggest here. and largest swamp creatures in power, what else do you need to know? I mean what would hey. convince you?
4: Well let me you know, let me just say this. Here's the little clue. If you're going to drain the swamp, perhaps you shouldn't restock it.
0: Right. Right, because that's these,
4: what it looks like to me.
0: Right, and these are people these in power,
4: people, real power. Yes, that all you've done is fortify their power,
0: and nobody seems you to need notice
4: anything more from Cocaine Mitch. Because I don't think that we do. And yes, I said it.
0: Cocaine Mitch, and then he's got Elaine Chao, who seems oh, well, to who seems it. to pop up all the time, and nobody even asks. <laughs> you know what? Elaine Chao's father is a shipping magnet who has uh, claimed allegiance to the CCP. How can yeah, nobody even like ask any questions about that? Why is that just, well, you know, I mean, she's American, she went to Harvard, and she's married to the, one of the most powerful people in the country, but we can't ask her attachment to the no. CCP? It doesn't make any sense.
4: On the right, we can only ask Diane Feinstein and Eric Walwell. Right, about a that. Chinese like, spy,
0: and then he's got Fang Fang, or... his lover.
4: It, right. Nobody bang, says bang, anything about bang, it. Bang. He, he was on the <laughs> Intel committee
0: after everybody knew that. I know. Well, then how do we have a government? That doesn't make any sense to me. What What's well, the government that, for?
4: I, like, I never understood why people, like, you talk about the government being run by it like a mafia, and it, and it is. It's run that way.
0: Do you, it, you, know, I got, I got to give this one to you. I just want to get your opinion on this because I've talked about it on the show, but I just don't know why this doesn't come up more because if you, if you study these people, my, my favorite is the Bill Barr one because Bill Barr, nominated by Trump. As the Attorney General of the United States, he is the one that says Epstein committed suicide when the guards were asleep and the cameras were off. And then you do just a little research into who Bill Barr is. His father is Donald Barr, who was in the OSS, the original CIA. He hires Jeffrey Epstein at the Dalton School in Manhattan in New York City uh, when Jeffrey Epstein didn't have a degree. Jeffrey Epstein then goes to work for Les Wexner, who's doing— Uh, He is a liaison between multiple um, uh, administrations to Israel. It's obvious that he is in some form of the intelligence business, both Donald Barr and then Bill Barr. How does that come full circle? And nobody even make commentary about it. How is that even possible? How does a guy hire somebody to teach at a school without a degree? Everybody (laughs) finds out that Epstein is... Uh, molesting children, most likely uh, providing young girls and most likely young boys to people in power. It all gets brushed under the rug by Bill Barr when his father was the guy that hired him originally. How can that not be big news? Nobody talks about it on either side you know of why? the aisle. The media, nobody. And nobody would ever ask Donald Trump the question. Why wouldn't they ask that question? That seems like a question that any journalist would want to know the answer to. I want to know.
4: When I, you know, you hear these things. We heard about the casting couch in the 80s. There were a lot of the people. My mom was like, oh, you're pretty. You can be a model, you know. oh, Then you look into stuff and it's like, you people are freaking weird. I mean, weird.
0: Hollywood is very weird.
4: But even just modeling agencies around, around the country, it's like, man, hell no. You know, there's just, it's weird. So you hear about the casting couch, well, why don't you think it's going on anywhere else? It's like Hollywood. You can't get the big job unless you right. you know, benefit the big producer, right. right? Well, same thing with politics. Until you get through the machine and you're sanctioned a, and, and you're good. That's why, like Ted Cruz, for me in the beginning, I'm like, no, you were groomed under the Bush family? Uh-huh. Oh, no. And remember, I hated the Bushes as a Democrat. And then what, I was trying to like the Bushes when I became a Republican. Because I wanted to be able to have – because I knew I would be beat up. Well, you worked on Al Gore's campaign. You worked on Bill Clinton's campaign. All this – you know, I wanted to be able to – say, could not. I hated him even more. Yeah. Found out even worse things about him.
0: Yeah, it's bad when you don't have – when when the Democrats and the Republicans – it's hard to find anybody in that mess up there to get excited about. It's, it's hard to find anybody that you really can connect with. That's why I think people jumped on Donald Trump because at least it appeared – that he was going to go after the establishment. We were talking about low-energy low, uh, low energy Jeb and then all of the right. nicknames, and he was poking fun at him. And I loved it because I thought it was necessary. But then I thought, well, you know, when he becomes president, we're going to see some action. Some people are going to be held accountable, right? You had Benghazi. You had those hearings. You had the Clinton Foundation. You had those hearings. Obviously, yep. these people were breaking the law at a very high level. You would yep. think that— Something would happen to somebody along the way, because if you get into a certain power, a position of power in the government, and then there's nothing you can do that would get you into trouble. You know, like Hunter Biden right now, that doesn't seem very fair to the, the to the people voting that if you're at a certain class, there is no laws for you. You don't have to abide by anything. Uh, seems like a, a bad situation for the American people. And it's on both sides, it seems to me.
4: I mean, you know, we've come to a world of me. And one that absolutely cracks me up and stabs me in the heart is one of uh, Orwell at a typewriter and Dear America, you didn't read my books, did you? Right. You know, I mean, no, we didn't because currently our return address should read Animal Farm and the date should always be 1984 because that's where we are. It feels like it's headed I mean, in that direction. We, well, we we're,
0: You think we're there? We're
4: in that we I think we're there. I think all the systems are already in place.
0: I do too. The last,
4: I, the last key is the cash. Get rid of the
0: cash. I was playing a clip. We won't play it on the show because it's like eight or nine minutes long. Uh, this guy was doing an interview. He said that he had spoke to the Rockefeller, and the Rockefellers were talking about how the final piece of the puzzle, basically, was digital currency. And this is at a time, this was in 2006 when this interview was taking place. I certainly didn't know anything about digital currencies yeah. at that point. That was crazy. But he's saying, you know, once the digital currency happens, then they can just shut you off. If you start to protest, they can just shut down your money. We're running out of time for this segment. Stick around, Jen. We'll be right back. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, Jen.
1: He's in love and this is love. The Rock
0: Carter
1: Show. Oh, yes, indeed, we know that people will find a way to go no matter what the man says.
5: This is Rob with St. Louis Bath and Renovation, and we'd like to let you know you don't have to maintain the grout in your home anymore, the grout on the floor or in your shower or bath area. How would you like zero grout in your bathroom? At St. Louis Bath and Renovation, we focus on grout free options for your bathroom. If you hate cleaning grout, St. Louis Bath and Renovation, 314 477 6476. 314 477 6476. Give us a call.
1: SR1 Sundays.
3: Lonely? Looking for something exciting in your life? Well, join me, Ken Kruger, every Sunday from 11 to midnight on News Talk STL as part of SR1 Sundays. You won't regret it. For long, last call with Ken Kruger.
1: SR1 Sundays. Rob Carter Show.
0: How, how good is that Pure Cure Coffee? Are you loving it? Oh yeah. Pure Cure Coffee is fantastic. What I like about this coffee, other than the multiple flavors, and I love the smell. You know, my wife and I get up every morning and we have the Pure Cure Coffee. I love the taste. Listen, it's better coffee. PureCureCoffee.com P-U-R-C-U-R Coffee.com Get yourself some. It is fresh, delicious coffee, multiple flavors. Pure Cure Coffee. Get some. PureCureCoffee.com coffee.com.
1: That's what the man said. So the, the Rob Carter, Carter Show. sr One Sundays.
0: The Rob Carter Show. All right, everybody, welcome back. I want to continue. I, I, I got to get into RFK Jr. a little bit because the last two shows we did My Takedown of Donald Trump, which we're kind of going through all the pieces of that. Because I would really like somebody to give me an explanation for this versus I just feel like Donald Trump is the right guy or he's got some secret plan behind the scenes. I think when you're talking about freedom, where that is the ultimate goal of the country, and you see that starting to slip away, I think as a a voter, you can't just say, well, I mean, I feel like he's the right guy. I mean, certainly he didn't do anything that a Republican would normally do or a conservative would normally do. He did a lot of things that we were worried Barack Obama was going to do, and then he just gets away with it because he's Donald Trump. He's he's positioned himself again as the enemy of our enemy. Therefore, there's nothing that he could do that would offend us. I I just find the whole thing amazing. So let me get back before we get into Robert F. Kennedy. Just a couple more mm-hmm. because the yeah um, you know he, didn't he sign DACA right? Didn't he? I think he let uh, it was something like um, seven hundred thousand. Illegal immigrants made him legal when he was the president. And I don't necessarily know whether that's a bad or a good thing, but I don't think that's why he was elected. I think he was elected to say, listen, you got to follow our laws before you come into this country. You're going to have to go through some kind of process before you become a citizen. You don't get to walk across the border and say, OK, I'm here in America. I'm an American citizen. You don't
2: get to pass uh, seven embassies before you come here to claim asylum, you know what I mean? On the way up the map. So yeah, good point.
0: But he, so it's immigration. It was the red flag laws. Remember the bump stocks. He talked about, uh, talked about limiting guns, if you remember. And then everybody got really mad at him and that kind of, that conversation kind of went away, but he really wasn't doing anything that we elected him to do other than scream and yell at the media. I mean, that was his entire camp. That was entire operation from 2016 to 2020 was him uh, being attacked by the media and the Democrats and him fending them off. Right? That's what it was. It was, uh, the whole thing was bizarre to me. And then when she mentioned uh, about warp speed and the CARES Act, mm-hmm. uh, to me, I just don't know how you get away with it. I, it the CARES Act is my favorite because when Massey from Kentucky, right. I talk about it all the time, yep. he said, you know, if we're going to vote on a $6.2 trillion bill, mm-hmm. then everybody should have to go and vote in person. And Donald Trump called him a second-rate or a third-rate congressman for even implying that we're going to pass a $6.2 trillion bill, the infrastructure for the COVID-19 con job, and you don't even have to go vote in person. You could vote remote. So now that sets the precedent if there's an emergency, think about it, where you can't even find out where your representatives are. They can be voting from Mexico if they want to. They don't even have to be in the country to vote. So he sets the precedent for that. Again, That's fair. makes no sense. It's terrible that you wouldn't have to go and vote in a – um, together in Congress for something of that nature, something that huge that's going to affect the country the for the CARES
2: Act is so decades. much bigger than people understand. Right?
0: They don't have any idea. No. I think he printed more money than any president up until that time. And I don't really pay attention to Joe Biden because to me, like when I watch or even listen to the radio, and I just want to bring this up real fast and get off the Donald Trump for just a minute because he gives me a headache. But the it's so easy. And I listen to uh, radio commentators. And you know, the vast majority of their show is making fun of Joe Biden. Come on. which. It's easy to do. I mean, it's not hard to make fun of Joe Biden. Like I said, he can't string a sentence together. He's a, he's just a walking Come on. disaster. Come on, folks. But if you are somebody that is in the media and you're trying to fix the problems and you really want to get your message out to the American people and say, listen, it's we, we can't play games forever. At some point, you have to be a citizen who understands what's going on in your country. Why do you even pay attention to Joe Biden? You know, does anybody actually believe that joe biden is calling the shots i mean don't we know phil doesn't everybody understand that he's just a puppet that he's reading script i mean he, there's no way that that guy is running meetings with eight or nine or ten people getting information from from them and making a decision there's I think no way there's no possible way he could be doing that therefore you know that this is a group effort but who's writing the script and why can't we ask that question but it just gets tiresome to me that people just keep rerunning these. They'll play a clip from him, and they want to pick fun of him and laugh at him. Like with I that got too. it, he's an idiot. We yep. know it. he was an idiot twenty years ago. Now we now he's a uh, he's an idiot with dementia. We got to fix the problems at some point. Somebody in leadership has to has to gain the imagination of the American people, bring them together into a conversation recognize that our institutions have been corrupted, recognize that the corporations are calling the shots, recognize that there's a global government system being put into place that will be done underneath the covers. There's not going to be a switch turned on. It's going to be a drip, 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 and then you're going to recognize that you're kind of stuck in the situation. You're not able to get out. We talked about it today, Phil, and I want to bring it up again. I went to CBS yesterday. There was not. There was nobody in the store. So the, when I went to get, I think I went to get an energy drink. When I went to get the energy drink, I come to the front of the store thinking I'm going to get a cash. There's nobody there. I have to check out on my own. I went to Deerberg's this morning. My daughter was graduating from high school. I was getting her some flowers from Deerberg's. I go to Deerberg's this morning. I'm walking through the store. There's nobody there. And just one as I'm getting ready to, I'm like, how do I get these flowers? What do I do? Some woman goes, excuse me, do you need some help? And I said, yeah, I want to buy these flowers. So she's the only person in the store. I ring up the flowers and as I'm ringing them up, ringing the flowers out, I said, how close are we to the point where there's nobody in the stores and if they want to turn my credit card off or turn my money off, I can't even argue to anybody. There's nobody even there.
2: It, right. And make, make, make no mistake. There is no uh, slot to insert your $20 bill Correct. in. So it ain't going to happen with cash. Right. And
0: then all they got to do is have a camera right above you. Right. So if they got a camera right above you, you got to, you got to. Check these things out because they have a picture of you. They'll probably be able to have facial recognitions right around the corner. And no question. So they'll know exactly who no you are. So you have to pay. It. But it gives a central source the power to restrict your ability to have a transaction. You have no more freedom of transaction. It's just the most crazy thing. And you can see it starting to happen all, all around you. And we just march forward like it's not even happening.
2: So we're supposed to think of it as a convenience, a, a marvel of modern tech. Right. Uh, it's it's it couldn't be further from the truth. It's 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 uh, Huxley. It's right. It's insane. And nothing bad
0: could possibly happen. No, <laughs> nothing bad could possibly Nothing bad could Trust happen your with digital leaders. currency. Trust your leaders. They're great. Well, what about trans rights, Rob? Oh. Did you see the woman from Nebraska, which she said, trans trans oh, people, yes. trans people, trans people. We love trans people. Yeah. It goes on for like 90 seconds with her just chanting this over and over. She looks like a deranged lunatic, and she is in the state senate in Nebraska. These people are, it, it's just amazing what's These people what's are on.
2: elected, and we have to keep that in mind. Yes. We have only ourselves to blame. This is what I say about California. I want to watch them go through the... Dante's Inferno. Let them burn. This is what they vote for or they allow. You got Gavin Newsom? Are you kidding me? Uh-huh. How can this man be in any position of power in one of the best states we have? California, love it or hate it, it's an awesome state. You know this. I it's love an California. awesome state. Yep. And it's just becoming...
0: It's a mess. When you fly into Los Angeles, right, so... Uh, I have an office in L.A. that I go to for work, right? So I fly in L.A. I stay at the Marriott right there at the airport. Oh, yeah. When, when, I, when I'm taking my Uber ride into the office, right, it's about a 35, 40-minute ride. As I'm going through Uber, uh, going through the ride into the office, you will see in every uh, overpass, all along the roads, you see trash, garbage, tents, homelessness, drug addiction, Everywhere you look, if you go downtown, there are encampments all over the place with homeless. It, it, you, you don't want to go down and hang out in Los Angeles anymore. It's just not even, I haven't been to San Francisco recently, uh, but I, I'm told for people that travel up there that it's very similar. It really looks like something out of a bad movie. And what's interesting about California is the people out there accept it. They don't think anything of it. Like when uh, an out-of-towner or somebody from the Midwest who lives in a clean environment, when they go out, there, like, oh my God, oh. They, they just can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll admit that I'm almost immune to it. When I go out there, it's been going on for so many years. I still recognize it when I drive by it, but I just think this is the way it is because, because nothing's changing. Yeah, it's just getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Out in front of our offices, uh, there is a um, train. Right, so the trains go right out in front of our offices. In front, so there's the train tracks, and there's a main road, and then our offices, big four hundred thousand square foot warehouse and office space. In front of that uh, street. There are probably thirty uh, campers that are just—I don't know where these people get these campers from. It's homeless people all along the street because we're right on the outskirts of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. All along the street, trash everywhere. I mean, just just it's just filthy and disgusting. Everybody drives by it every day like it's nothing. So it's not too far from USC. It's the most incredible oh. thing when mm-hmm. you when you see it live and you see it in person. You're just like. You just can't believe that there's nothing being done about it. it it's amazing. People out there can't afford to live. I mean, you have these little homes that are that if it was in St. Charles County, these homes would cost a hundred twenty thousand dollars. It's how beat down and dilapidated they are. Mm-hmm. In California, these little two bedroom homes that look like you can't even believe that somebody lives in them go for like five and six hundred thousand right, dollars. Yeah. Well, who can afford that? <laughs> right. That's just a two bedroom house. So I don't. I don't even know how people live in los angeles to be quite honest with you most of them live on the outskirts and they got to drive a long way just to get into that's, the city
2: that's it but mm-hmm.
0: it's um i don't know i just i find it sad that such a beautiful state uh what should be a you know it should be uh that should be vacation central the weather out there is so spectacular i just absolutely oh. love the weather oh, when it's I go great out there. in
2: malibu it's great out in westlake oh. village it's great up in the canyons you know it's all awesome out there but you go anywhere near downtown or los angeles proper it is like third
0: world it's gross it's gross. Well, it is. It's just yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a gross environment. Mm-hmm. So, um, and New York, by the way, uh, just recently I've been up in New York. Uh, New York seems to be coming back together a little bit from the last couple times I went there. It was cleaned up. Um, the the Laguardia airport's all redone. It Fanta- looks fantastic. Oh, wow. So, New York seems a little different than I was in, anticipating, and I think it might be because a lot of people moved out of New York, so it doesn't seem as crowded as, as it used to. It used to be when you're walking the streets of New York, you were, you know, you were 10 deep, arm in arm, and oh, yeah. it was just a madhouse everywhere you looked, and the noise and the honking. It was pretty... It, it, it felt like it had been thinned out a little bit, but it was clean. I mean, I didn't see any issues with it. They're always talking about the crime. I was in Brooklyn, and then I was in Manhattan. I didn't see... I didn't see anything that scared me at all. Now, I'm not riding the subways. You know, right, maybe last, the subways are a like different story. Couple, but
2: a couple years ago, it was pretty nice. I went all the way from you know, way up Central Park all the way over to Brooklyn, yeah. and
0: I got to tell you this New York story. Since we're on this New York story, I gave you a little bit of it earlier. Mm-hmm. So in New York City, it was uh, 2016, I believe. Um, I was transferring a gun from St. Louis to Florida. This is how crazy New York City is about guns. So I call the airlines and I say, how do I get a gun from St. Louis to, I got to fly it on a plane. I'm going to New York and then I'm going to Florida. They tell me how I got to transport the gun. I got to put it in a case, can have no bullets in it. Um, The case has to be locked, but the keys can't be with the case. They give me this whole thing about how to transport a gun. I follow it to the letter. I fly into New York City. I have a couple of meetings. I come back to the airport. I was flying on Delta. I go to Delta and I say, uh, I have a gun. I'm trying to transport it. Just a simple question. She goes, how long you've been in town? I said, three days. She goes, okay. And she starts typing away and it's taking forever. I'm like, what is going on here? Maybe two, three, four, five minutes go by. And all of a sudden port authority comes up behind me and says, sir, put your hands behind the back. You're under arrest. I go, at, at first I thought they had the wrong person. I'm like under arrest for, I go, I think you got the wrong person. She goes, no, that's it's sir. You can't have a gun in New York for more than three days for more than 24 hours. It was as a matter of fact. So they handcuff me, take me to the Queens jail. I end up in this uh, jail cell with John Gotti's grandson. It was the craziest thing ever. Quite an experience. (laughs) My father happens to know an attorney up in New York, so he calls this attorney after I get a hold of him the next day, and he sends one of his attorneys to come. Wait a minute, wait
2: a minute. Why didn't you get a hold of him that night?
0: Because because (laughs) when I called at like 1 in the morning, He thought it was a joke because it says, do you want to take a collect call from Rob Carter from Queens jail? And my dad goes, oh, yeah, right. And he hangs up the phone. So I'm stuck there all night because my dad hung up on my one call. Oh, that's brutal. And then the next morning when I call him again, he realizes what's happened because my my now wife was looking all over for me thinking something had happened. For sure. I end up in in this jail cell with uh, John Gotti's grandson. We both go before the judge. He goes before me. He opens the door. I see him going out into the press. I get in front of the judge my attorney tells me, you're going to be fine, you have no prior record, you're just going to say it was a mistake, you didn't know how to transport the gun, and this is going to be a fine, and you're going to be out of here. That's not how it goes down. She tells me that we got to pay uh, like $2,500 or $5,000, I can't even remember the number at this particular point. And I realize that I'm getting ready to go back to jail, and this is over July 4th weekend, so I'm getting ready to go to Rikers Island because it's Friday and it's, it's I'm in trouble. Make a long story short, as they're getting ready to put me uh, back through the door, I turn to this attorney that I've only met for about five seconds, and I say, pay my bail, and I'll pay you back, because they wouldn't let me pay it. You can't pay your own bail. In, in Queens and New York, you can't pay your own bail. So he's looking at me. I go through the door, and I'm thinking, I'm going to be stuck in Rikers Island all weekend long, and I am in complete panic. The guy comes up to me, and he goes, listen, if I pay this for you, you got to pay me right back. And I said, dude, I'll pay it for you. You're don't worry, but you got to get me out of yeah. here. I said, I cannot go to Rikers Island for the weekend. I'll pay you back as soon as we get out of here. And he goes, I know I'm an attorney, but I don't have any money. I'm just starting out. And he gives me this whole thing. Make a long story short. He pays my bail. I get out. I had to go across the street, get him money, and the whole thing worked out. But I was in jail for 24 hours for transporting a gun that had no bullets. I was there for three days. And the judge wouldn't let me out like I was a criminal. But no prior record, no nothing, I'm up there for work. It's insane. Unbelievable.
2: I think we're out of time. So you would have lied and said I was
0: only here for a day. And if I just said a day, I would have been fine. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's a trap. Yeah, I didn't even know. That's And then trap. John Stossel did a report on it. John Stossel oh. did a report about people getting trapped in New York City because everybody that was in my life thought I was insane because I was in jail in New York City trying to transport a gun. It's an unbelievable story. I've been through some times, let me tell you. <laughs> Final segment of the day coming up. We'll be right back.
1: rob carter show you know. sr1 sundays the rob carter show
0: all right everybody Final segment of the evening on this wonderful Sunday. If you have not got your Pure Cure coffee, you got to give it a try. It's the best coffee Mm -mm. that has ever crossed my lips. P-U-R-C-U-R coffee.com. The smell alone will sell it. It's fantastic, and i got to tell you, I'm drinking some coffee right now. Long trip. Came in from Florida just the other night. Still haven't got my legs underneath me just yet. Had two or three cups of coffee, feeling good. But I absolutely cannot recommend coffee higher. Pure Cure Coffee, you have to support small businesses that support free speech. Pure Cure Coffee, P U R C U R coffee.com Phil. Yes, sir. I want to get into this clip. I want to get off the Trump. I'm, He gives me a headache, but I just want to test my theories with people to see if they see it the same way, if they're just completely locked with Donald Trump. He's got a plan to come back and save the day. I, I love talking about it because I want somebody to... I, I wanted to be in conversation today, just... To hear what people think. I, I, I don't know how he gets away with it, but apparently with some people there's nothing he can do wrong. I want to get into the other thing that I've been talking about over the last several weeks. We've talked about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We'll get into him more as time goes on. We've talked about Donald Trump ad nauseum. I think I've made my point there, but I got to get into this pedophilia, Satanism angle. I know a lot of people think it's crazy, But more and more information comes to the surface every week. And since I've been talking about it, I tell you all the time, I get sometimes three, four hundred messages a week from listeners, friends of mine, family members. And when I brought up the child pedophilia thing, I told you before, people are very interested in that for some reason. I think Epstein kind of got people to think, what if, you know, are these things really happening And they started sending me information. And now it just seems like it's every week there's more and more information. There was just a recent hearing. uh, It was the Oversight Committee. talking. uh, It was an HHS representative saying that 85,000 kids that had crossed the border, uh, uh, immigrant children, who were put out into the uh, interior of the United States with sponsors are now missing and they can't find these kids, 85,000 kids. This was testimony before uh, Congress just recently. Uh, That leads me to this, because if there is a pedophile ring for the rich and famous, for the rich and powerful within the entertainment world, uh, through our politicians, through the corporations, if this is really happening with the elite people in this country, where does, the, where does it go? What what is uh, How should we view it? Because there's another clip out there now from Ricky Schroeder. And I think Ricky Schroeder's funny because Silver Spoons, we couldn't think of the big movies. He was in The Champ. He was a, in the 80s. He was kind of a teen heartthrob type kid with the blonde hair if you're too young to know who he is. But a very popular guy back in the day. Now he's older. And he tells about a video that he watched when he was a young person uh, where the... Uh, it's it's a tape of somebody being cut up in a satanic ritual, a sexual satanic ritual. And he's out on, uh, I, I, it looks like some form of a ranch. And he is telling the story into his phone and then it goes out there for the world to see. And I want to play it for the audience and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Here is Ricky Schroeder. Check this out and listen to what he has to say. Clip number one, go.
5: Former child actor, Rick Schroeder recently released a video of a childhood experience he had in Hollywood, where he believes he met members of this cult. Let me
6: explain. When I was young, I couldn't drive yet. Uh, I was hanging out with the older guys. Uh, and on point doom, and somebody popped in a cassette tape into a VHS player. And There was a room with a body. I believe it was a male laying on a table and uh, people came around the room. It was dimly lit, but they had hoods and robes on and uh, they had some sort of ritual where they took out a knife and they cut him down the side. It was his right side. And they took out parts of him and the blood started flowing and they were chanting. And um, some, there was women there and they took off their clothes and then they took the blood and they smeared it on their bodies and started to be sexual with each other. It was uh, quite disturbing to see. And so uh, they gave me the cassette and I took the cassette to somebody I trusted. And uh, we watched it. And uh, they said, never watch that again and give it back to whoever gave it to you. So I did that. But I was always confused about why they didn't ask where it came from. And so I believe that I met some of the cult members when I was younger. If in fact we have no accountability or justice, it could be because these people that are supposed to bring us justice and protect and defend the constitution are corrupted by this cult. I have no fear of them. You know, I only fear Jesus. And so perhaps whoever's investigating these folks. Needs to go. We need to go a layer below the top and come up from the mid level who are not cult members or been blackmailed by the cult, possibly, because uh, that's the only explanation I have for why we haven't had accountability and justice for what they've done to America and continue to do to America while we all just watch. So, I share this with the hope that those mid-level people that are investigating in the FBI and the CIA will understand that their superiors perhaps will never give us justice because of the level of blackmail involved. All right, that's off my chest. That feels better. Now y'all know. God bless America. God bless those trying to defeat this cult.
0: How about that? Now, when you hear that, and I'm curious how you look at that, Phil, because there was a time when I would have said that anybody perpetuating these ideas was insane. That there is no way that something of that magnitude could be going on in the United States of America. I just would have not believed it. But over the course of the past 20 years after 9-11 and... Uh, just what went on with Epstein. I've told you about the the books that i uh, uh, talked about over the course of the last few weeks with the child pedophile, pedophile rings, with the Franklin cover-up, uh, Paul Benassi story. And I listen to those things, and I'm fascinated by the level of detail that they talk about. Now, if it's all a lie and it's all fictitious and it's all nonsense, shouldn't there be a public discussion when people... Uh, especially like Ricky Schroeder, I mean, you have Corey Hamey, you have all the oh, those kids out there in Hollywood. That I know said about stu- Corey Hamey, yeah, th- th- I know said, about that. They said things were going on. Mm-hmm. We're, why Doesn't it seem kind of odd to you that there's no public discussion about these things? There's no real, it, nothing ever uh, gets settled. And if these things are happening in the United States, why isn't there some hashing out of the information? Why isn't uh, Ricky Schroeder called before Congress and say, what exactly did you see? Who was involved with it? Who did you give it to? All of these stories just sit out there. There's never an ending to it. Nobody ever asks any real questions. Nothing ever takes shape. What do you make of that? Do you think that it's crazy talk? Do you think there could be any validity to, validity to this stuff? Because it would make sense. If there's 85,000 kids missing, which we just talked about, I sent you the uh, the clip of it earlier. Yeah. 85,000 kids supposedly have crossed the southern border illegally with, um, without parents, sent off to sponsors, they call them, which are basically foster homes. And then when they try to track these kids down, 85,000 kids are missing. What do we make of that? I mean, uh, it seems like somebody should be going uh, within our government if they can't find the 85,000 kids. It seems like somebody in our government that's responsible for that should be going to prison so that we get uh so that something somebody's held accountable. You can't just have 85,000 kids disappear uh, that cross our southern border and nobody knows where they're at and it just be okay, can it? Um, I mean, can that be okay?
2: 850 kids would be an right. enormous number. 85,000 is almost mind-numbingly large. It feels like we are maybe um re- reigniting a machine or re- giving life to a machine that was probably uh, about to die out on its own with the with the aging out of the of the members that could somehow hide this kind of a thing, right? Uh, and the way that you know we used to keep files in a folder in a metal cabinet that had a big squeaky long drawer, uh, so much could get could be gotten away with in those right. days. But Murders. See, see I you know, think it's
0: easier now, though, Phil, because now it's the maybe. switch of a it's a click. You can just you have all these information on a on a computer. And then you can just erase it.
2: And you have this endless train of of warm bodies yes. coming to us, which we didn't necessarily have. Back then we had to look for, we were the milk carton generation, right? right? And you've, you've dealt with that. Very well on some of your shows before, and I've learned a lot about that. And it was shocking to me too because I was exactly that first generation where that milk carton popped up. We were all like, "There's a
0: kid." That's when everything come, milk started carton. to change. You know, that's right. And that's I, when freedom, like mm-hmm. when young kids used to walk around the streets and everything was fine, and nobody thought anything of you it. That's when it all on. started to change. You're then your parents on. were, mm-hmm. you know, then they were right on your butt because they were they were afraid, rightfully so. I and guess. Then then and then mom, mom got a job,
2: and then mom started working, and it all does start to come together. So I am not an easy sell. On uh, on conspiracy theories and rabbit hole because I don't believe I don't trust people enough to believe that they can keep secrets that well. and and there's money to be made in in telling things and uh, you know and giving up and and whistleblowing. There's all kinds of ways to get famous and uh, if you're the rat. Um, So I'm real skeptical of it, but the more I learn about it piece by piece, uh, if there's eighty five thousand unaccounted children, I can't stress it enough um, how uh, demoralizing that would be for my concept of America. In general, the, the shining light on the hill. That's what's be, been going on with me, by the
0: way. Uh, what you just described, mm-hmm. um, I'm the guy that stands at the National Anthem, puts my hand me over too, my heart. Me too, man. Me too. I get choked um, up when I, I think about I get about choked up when I think about 19-year-olds going yeah. off to fight wars too, for my freedom. I, I'm, a, I'm a person who, rec- as a father, I recognize that and think, man, I just can't imagine. My 19-year-old son, my, my kids are my life. I, I watched you with your children tonight. I feel you're the same way. Yeah. Your kids are your life, and you think there was a generation that sent 18, 19-year-old kids off to war to fight for freedom, and now you have a country that you're so proud of. You know, we talked about it. It's still the freest nation in the world. We we assume it's still the freest nation in the world. But to think that you are allowing your government, because I know the American people aren't there. This is not the way the American people want to run their business. But if you have a fraudulent government um, who creates uh, money, dark money, who's able to create dark money, the CIA, the FBI, whatever you want to call it, but if they're able to create dark money, if it is if that is happening in any way shape or form you would think that there would the american people would do everything they can to figure it out get to the bottom of it when somebody testifies before congress that 85,000 children are missing you would think that would be headline news everywhere, and America would be up in arms going, where are these 85,000 kids? Who was responsible for them? Where's the documentation? Who are these kids? Where, what countries did they originate from? How did they get across the border? What sponsors did they go to? How do we determine what sponsors they were going to? You would think there would be an investigation to figure this thing out. And I'm telling you, it just disappears every time. So when I hear Ricky Schroeder say that I watched a video where somebody was cut up and there was uh, you know, a satanic sexual act going on that he watched on video, you think to yourself, you want to think it's crazy and that it could never happen. But if you if you do a uh, you know if you look through all of the information that's out there now, it doesn't seem so crazy anymore. It doesn't it seems seem like, it seems as like it's crazy. 25. That Paul Bonassi story, yeah, man, blew. I'd never heard of it, and I'm a I'm a news nutbag. I mm-hmm. really am. I just find news fascinating. I, my wife will tell you, we don't watch fictional stuff. I said, huh? yeah, I just like to watch stuff that goes on in the real world because I think it's way more fascinating than any, any fiction. When I started reading that Paul Benassi story, and even when I got, uh, I'd probably known about it for two or three weeks, and I didn't want to talk about it on the air because I'm like, there, this just can't, there's just no way. Let me dig into this. Something's going to not make sense. Right. But the more I looked at it, the more it made sense <laughs> right <laughs> and you know and then you have this this guy um uh, Camp, who is explaining the story he's friends with the cia director who's telling him to go public with the story and then the cia director ends up face down yeah, in the water dead yeah right i mean yeah. is that can that possibly be just happenstance uh are we yeah. running out of time i guess, I guess we are that I was fun phil All right, everybody, that's all we got for this show. Thanks for listening to SR1 on News Talk STL. Remember, every Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, The Rob Carter Show. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.
1: S.